If you or someone you know is thinking about self-harm or suicide, you should tell someone who can help right away. You can do that by calling your doctor's office, by calling emergency services, which is 911 in the US, by going to the nearest hospital emergency room, or if you're in the US, by calling the toll-free 24-hour hotline of the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at one 800 273-8255 or texting the crisis text line so you can do that by texting home h-o-m-e to 741-741 text home h-o-m-e to 741-741 if you have a family member or friend who is suicidal do not leave them alone Try to get the person to seek help immediately from an emergency room, a physician, or a mental health professional. Take seriously any comment about suicide or wishing to die. Even if you do not believe that your family member or friend will actually attempt suicide, the person is clearly in distress and can benefit from your help in receiving mental health treatment. Hello, my name is Bidem Yologunde and you're listening to episode 155 of the Bid Picture Podcast. On this episode, I'll talk about how schools have been using artificial intelligence software to detect instances where students require the intervention of mental health professionals and ultimately prevent mass shootings. And also what parents can do to detect their child's emotional distress before the school's artificial intelligence system does. Thank you for your time. Let's get to it. School districts in the US use artificial intelligence software to scan students' communications and web searches on school-issued devices and even devices logged on via school networks for signs of suicidal ideation, violence against fellow students, cyberbullying, and so on. Included in those scans are emails and chats between friends and student musings that are composed in Google Docs or using Microsoft Word. So when the artificial intelligence software, the AI software, recognizes specific key phrases, these systems typically alert school administrators and counselors who then determine whether an intervention with the students and parents is warranted. Many school districts have used monitoring software to prevent school shootings over the past three years. Still, it has evolved to become a tool to spot various mental health issues, including anxiety, depression, and even eating disorders. School administrators say such surveillance is more important than ever as students return to the classroom after almost two years of pandemic-related stress, uncertainty, and loss. However, critics say it raises questions about privacy, misuse, students' ability to express their feelings freely, or even search for answers. The surveillance of student communications and web searches appears to be fairly widespread. Back in June 2021, the Center for Democracy and Technology, which is a customer advocacy nonprofit, conducted online surveys of more than 1,000 third to 10th grade teachers across the US. The topic for that survey was student monitoring software. 
So for, according to the re result of that survey, 81% of the teachers who were surveyed said their school uses some form of monitoring software and 77% of the students said the same. Of those students, 80% of them said knowing they were being monitored made them more careful about what they searched for online. In some cases, it's unclear whether students understand that they are being monitored. Some schools disclose it in tech use policies or codes of conduct, but then how many kids actually read those documents? So a special programs director in the Springfield School District in Oregon, in the US, said if schools were obvious about the fact that they are monitoring students' devices and communications, the students might avoid using, using those devices entirely. Last fall, that district began using Lightspeed Systems, which is a school online safety company to monitor student communications. Lightspeed's monitoring software is used in nearly 32,000 American schools at an annual cost of about $2 per student. So in early September of last year, Lightspeed flagged a Google chat that a student in the Springfield School District in Oregon had with a suicide hotline, and also chats that another student had with their peers about plans for self-harm. In both cases, the school contacted the students' families and then arranged for mental health services. During the first two weeks of school last fall, the San Marcos Unified School District near San Diego in California received five legitimate self-harm alerts from Lightspeed Systems. So the school district said that that was an unusually high number that early in the school year. District officials said that intellectually, they knew how much support their students would need coming back from the tough pandemic lockdown and online schooling, but then it was a hard reality to see nonetheless. They added that many alerts that the district receives are actually false alarms in which a problematic phrase is part of an assignment or just jokes among friends. However, it is estimated that 20 to 30% of the alerts indicate potential crisis. The false alarms might decrease now that Lightspeed has added human reviewers to look at flagged communications and assign them a particular threat level. So Bark, B-A-R-K, is another online monitoring company, and the company detected 5,000 credible self-harm or suicide situations in just the second week of September 2021. That's very early in the school year. Bark is available to schools at no cost. It is used by more than 2,900 school districts and does not typically include human reviews. Clearly, it is hard to argue against efforts to save kids' lives. However, privacy and mental health experts say that such surveillance can be a slippery slope, especially if it, if it ends up being used for reasons other than harm prevention. A mental health coordinator for Charles County Public Schools in Maryland, which uses Bark's software, said that she has had to tell some school administrators to back off when they were planning to confront students for inappropriate language or content in some flagged communications. She explicitly stated that they were using the software not for discipline, only for monitoring.
Privacy advocates and mental health experts say that this kind of monitoring might take away the only safe space for some kids, especially in poorer families, to find help and communicate with their friends. According to Sophia Cope, a senior staff attorney with the Electronic Frontier Foundation, the school Chromebook is the only device that some kids have, and the school Wi-Fi is the only internet connection that others have access to. So what can parents and caregivers do? Experts have said that privacy is a developmental milestone for teenagers, and it is necessary to provide them with choices and, most importantly, respect. There are several ways to talk to kids about mental health before parents get a call from school. So the first thing to do is to start early. Even very young kids can have thoughts of self-harm. Bark software has detected increased expressions of suicidal ideation among elementary school students. Experts suggest that a good time to start checking in with kids about mental health is around 5th grade, which is around age 10 to 11. Second, don't be afraid to talk about suicide. Experts say that some parents worry that bringing up the topic of self-harm or suicide could inspire some kids to act on those dark thoughts. But that's just not true. Kids usually feel relieved to have someone to talk to. Next is to ask about their peers. So instead of making the conversation about them, a good way to get into a discussion is to ask about others. Maybe ask about their friends and how they're doing or ask about someone that you've noticed doing things that could lead to self-harm and then ask them about their thoughts on those actions. Next is to find a conversation starter. Rather than directly asking children how they're doing, it can be helpful to find a reason to broach the topic. Parents can also raise the topic in the context of a school's surveillance technology. So experts say that when kids are asked their opinion, it actually helps them open up. Next is to make helplines available. So along with numbers of neighbors or relatives on the fridge and the kitchen, experts suggest posting the number to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, which is 1-800-273-8255, or the Crisis Text Line basically texting HOME, H-O-M-E, to 741741 so that your child knows that there is someone to call or text if they ever need help. So lastly, bring in a neutral party. If you suspect your child is struggling, but you don't think they would open up to you, experts suggest asking a trusted third party to check in with your child. And that could be a coach, teacher, relative, priests, religious leader, and so on. So after the break, I'll talk about um, how this new technology is actually helping schools to spot possible shooters, mass shooters, before tragedy happens. Stay with us. So with every mass shooting committed by a teenager in the U.S., schools and communities become preoccupied with figuring out which struggling teen could potentially harm others. 
Law enforcement agencies that have studied young shooters say that several warning signs lead to mass shootings and that early intervention is critical to preventing them. As I mentioned earlier, school districts are increasingly leaning on monitoring software that examines young people's posts and writings because school shooters almost always document their plans. These software systems from companies like Gaggle, G-A-G-G-L-E, Lightspeed Systems, and Bark, B-A-R-K, monitor communication on school-issued devices and networks. Artificial intelligence software detects language signaling students' intent to harm themselves or others. Student emails and musings that are written in Google Docs or Microsoft Office that indicate plans of violence, as well as web searches for weapons or suicide methods, are flagged to administrators who must then decide whether a threat is credible and how to act. So while it is impossible to know how many school shootings have been prevented, users say that the technology is good at flagging warning signs where students communicate using school services. However, Safety experts say that schools must be ready to act when these alerts come in with efficient processes to assess the warnings and adequate personnel to respond to these warnings. So the alerts typically contain the flagged wording, the type of threat, whether it's homicidal, suicidal, or other issues, and where the student typed those exact words. School counselors often visit the student's home when a threat is deemed credible. For example, when a student writes about having suicidal thoughts rather than writing about suicide for a class, homework, or project. School officials say that when counselors visit the student's home, the parents often express surprise. Depending on the situation, the student may then be hospitalized, referred to a therapist for treatment, or be more closely monitored by school counselors. So the 18-year-old accused of killing 10 people at a Buffalo, New York supermarket earlier in May had previously been referred to a hospital. However, medical staff determined that he wasn't dangerous or mentally ill, so they sent him home. The Victoria Independent School District in Victoria, Texas uses Gago, which costs around $6 per student per year. Yet, districts cannot rely on technology alone to prevent school violence. District officials say that the number one concern for community members is student safety. Adults say they want more physical security such as school police officers and notification systems. Students say that they want more mental health support and adequate help in developing coping skills. So over the past two years, school districts across the U.S. have received billions of dollars in federal pandemic relief funding to address mental health issues and learning loss. Districts are scrambling to use all the tools they can to detect and prevent school violence, although many districts struggle to spend the federal aid before the money disappears from budgets in 2024. Last year, the U.S. Secret Service released an analysis that revealed that out of 67 averted plots of violence against schools, 94% of those cases involved the attackers sharing their plans verbally 
over electronic messaging or in online posts. For example, the Uvalde shooter privately messaged a teenage girl overseas on Facebook about his plans to kill his grandmother and school children just before the shooting happened. He has also posted photos and videos of guns and self-harm on social media. Many attackers also outlined their plans in journals, documents, and video or audio recordings that were not shared online or offline. According to an FBI report on shooters' behavior leading up to attacks, active shooters displayed four to five behaviors that concerned those around them, such as changes in mental health, difficult interpersonal interactions, and discussions of violence. Shooters also experienced multiple problems in the year before an attack, ranging from disciplinary action at school to abuse at home. In addition, mental health struggles such as depression, anxiety, or paranoia were prevalent among these shooters. However, a formal diagnosis before an attack was made in only about 25% of the cases that the FBI studied. For shooters under the age of 18, the FBI found that school peers were more likely to observe concerning behavior than family members were. In 41% of the cases, the behavior was reported to law enforcement. In most cases, the only discussion about the behavior was between the shooter and their peers. Suicidal thoughts were also common among teens who go on to arm others, according to the FBI and other officials. A director of safety and security for School District 49 in Falcon, Colorado, said the district began noticing an uptick in youth mental health issues in the 2017-2018 school year. Since then, there have been numerous student suicides in the region northeast of Colorado Springs. So Bark offers a free version of its AI-powered service to schools to scan their communications. The software is not a standalone app or a filter used across the school's network. Instead, it's implemented within the school's Google and Microsoft Office 365 domains. In addition, for an annual fee of $2 per student, school districts can pay for humans to review possible severe threats that are flagged after school hours. Katie McPherson, who is Bark's Director of Professional Development, said schools need trained personnel that know what it looks like when a particular student is escalating toward violence or suicide. She added that districts that don't have that training are not getting the maximum benefits of the tool. An official in the Victoria Independent School District in Texas said that the district has responded to at least two dozen severe self-harm threats or harm to others so far during the school year. However, he said the community never knows about the act of violence that the mitigation efforts may have prevented. He added that newspapers don't carry stories about what didn't happen. So to wrap up, I spoke about how schools have been using artificial intelligence software to detect instances where students require the intervention of mental health professionals and ultimately prevent mass shootings. I also presented what parents can do 
to detect their child's emotional distress before the school's artificial intelligence system does. So that's all I have for this episode 155 of the Bid Picture Podcast. Thanks for listening. Bid Picture Podcast is produced by Sunshine Media in association with Alowinly Productions. Fact-checking by Zara Kuznetsova. Audio engineer, Sergey Gorski. Graphic design, Stacey Graham. Senior producer, Bidemi Ologunde. Executive producers, Olufolani Ologunde and Tobiloba Ologunde. Please join me again on the next episode as I continue with a deep dive on cybersecurities, news, events, and incidents, and the lessons we can learn from them for robust cyber threat intelligence and awareness in our daily lives. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the Beat Picture Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Pandora, TuneIn Radio, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Also, please share the show with anyone that you think might benefit from it. For questions, comments, or any suggestions, please send an email to bdme at thebeatpicture.com. You can also get in touch on Twitter at BeatPicture, on the Clubhouse app at Beat, as well as on the Wisdom app at BDME. Please remember to leave a review for the podcast if your platform allows you to do so. Thank you for your time. See you on the next episode. Bye for now.